today is an invitation. It is a call, uh, an exhortation to acknowledge the worth of our God. How valuable is He? It's a call to consider His glory. It's a, an invitation to, to crawl on the altar, uh, to offer yourself in service to Him. It's a call to, to know Him so that we might make Him known. Consider with me our final concluding psalm of the summer. Hasn't this been good? I, I so enjoy working through these psalms. I'm so grateful that we had opportunity to do that. Thank you to those of you who, who continued that. I was able to listen to each of those sermons uh, when I was not able to be here. Beautiful, beautiful psalm. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. And come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God, and it is He who made us. We are His. We're His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good and His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. Father, we ask for your blessing as we now consider these incredible truths. Spirit, work in us, work through us, lead us to praise, lead us to worship. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 100 divides into two stanzas nicely for us. You've got verses 1, 2, and 3 as stanza number 1. And then stanza number two is verses four and verse five. So stanza one is an invitation to serve Yahweh. And it begins with, with familiar words, I think, to many of us. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. And I know for, for many of you like me, that line just kind of rolls off the tongue. We've heard it in sermons, we've read it, we've sang those words before. But despite the beauty, those words do need a little bit of, of tweaking for us to really get to the core of what we're being invited to. The joyful noise doesn't quite capture the psalmist again because when we, when we think of joyful noise, we think of something more melodic beautiful that points us in that direction but what the psalmist actually calls us the readers to is shout out praises it's more than melodic it's it's not organized harmonic singing but rather it's a call to scream to shout because your team just won the world series with a walk-off homer in the 11th inning how do you respond in that moment well, you're going to wake everybody up. You're going to scream. You're going to shout. You're going to be excited. It's not necessarily organized. It's an emotional response. Notice that all the earth is being summoned to shout and to cheer for Yahweh. It's not limited. Everybody should be doing this. In verse 2, the psalmist narrows the focus in a bit more. He instructs us, 
the readers to serve and to, to come into his presence. And so, so what is this, this call to service? Well, it's a call to worship. But, but how, how, do we, how do we deal with worship and service together? I so appreciate what Derek Kidner uh, writes at this point. He says, this word that he uses leaves no gap between worship and work. Think about that for a moment. There's no gap between what it is to worship and what it is to work or to labor. True worship comes with a cost. True worship takes time. True worship takes energy, blood, sweat, tears. The whole of who we are is involved in true worship. But notice also that it says we're to do this, we're to serve the Lord with gladness. You know what that means? It means it's not a burden. It's not something that we should be, oh man, I, I don't want to give my attention to that. It's, it's, not a, it's not a job, it's an honor, it's a privilege. I, I like what the psalmist says in Psalm 122, I was, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Because it's not a burden to go there. It's a delight. It's an honor. It's a joyful experience. The second call is to come before the presence of Yahweh with singing. And here's where we can make a very clear argument for the importance and the placement of singing in a worship service. Corporately singing to and about the Lord. That's why I appreciate our, our musicians because the songs they pick are songs that are either being sung to our God as in a prayer that we're praying, or they're songs about the nature and the character of our God that help us to know Him better, help us to edify others as they hear us singing about who our God is. Word here is different from the, the previous verse. The word here means joyful shouting. This is where the, the singing comes in. Jubilation, that's an older word that we don't use very often anymore, but that's the idea. To, to be jubilant, to have jubilation as we would gather together in recognizing who our God is, what he's done for us. So when you enter into the Lord's presence, we should strive to do so with genuine jubilation. What a joy it is. But why shout? Why serve? Why, why joyfully sing? Why enter into His presence? Notice what He says. He says, know that the Lord, He is God. It's He who made us, we're His people, we're the sheep of His pasture. Here's what I believe the thought process of the psalmist to be. It's really one of assurance. And so he says, we, we know that the Lord is God. And since we know that he is God, then we should shout and we should serve and we should sing to him. But let's break that reasoning down a bit. First, we know the Lord, Yahweh. Here's that name again. Yahweh is God. There, there are no other gods beside him. Uh, a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday, Chuck kind of concluded the Bible study and, and walked us through some of the world religions of, of Buddhism and what happened to Buddha. 
and, and the gods of the Hindus and where those came from and what happened to those people those were based on. And, and there are no other gods beside him. Even, even when people would dismiss and say, I don't even believe in God. Listen to what Alan Ross writes to that. I so appreciated this point. He says, people may think they're independent from Yahweh, but they're not. Because He is God, everything they are and everything they have came from Him. People can claim that they don't believe in Yahweh because they believe in this God or they don't believe in a God at all. But it doesn't change the reality that He is the one who created them and He is the one who gives them the things that they have. He is God. We also know this, that it's He who made us, continuing the argument. We, we belong to Him. Isaiah 40, 26 invites us, says, lift up your eyes on high. And see who created these. Now, speaking of the, the stars, the heavenly hosts, see who created these. He brings out their hosts by number. He calls them all by name by the greatness of his might. Because he's strong in power, not one is missing. You think back to David's sermon a few weeks ago over Psalm 19. What's, what's the first part of that about? He's the creator. He's the one who has made these things. You have a creator he is good. He is faithful. He is your creator. And since you have a creator, you are accountable to that creator. If we could put it in a very American way, he owns the patent rights on you. You invent something, you get it patented to say, I'm the inventor of this thing. You can't mess with it. God invented you. He created you. Therefore, you are accountable to him. Friends, this is why, not to take too big of a rabbit trail, but this is why Romans 1 says people don't want a God. This is why people deny the existence of God or go searching after some other God because they don't want the accountability that a true creator brings into their life. Admitting there's a God is admitting there is an authority greater than me. And we don't like that. Especially in America, we really don't like authorities that are greater than me. We also know that we are his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. I hope you notice how the lens of these statements narrows in. He's God. He created you. You're his person. You're his sheep. The focus comes to bear on us individually with the sheep of his pasture. The final reason focuses on the covenant relationship that we have with Yahweh. We're his people. That's what Israel, we're, we're the people of Yahweh. He's our God, he protects us. We're his sheep, we're in his pasture. He cares for, he provides, he protects his sheep. And isn't that just a beautiful picture? It gets even more beautiful when you move into the Gospels. 
And that day when Jesus stands up in front of everybody and says, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's why we come. That's why we shout. That's why we serve. That's why we sing. Because the good shepherd has laid down his life. Knowing that he's God, he's creator, he's shepherd, how can we not shout? How can we not serve? How can we not sing? And if you're still hesitant, there's another verse. There's another stanza. An invitation to enter the courts of Yahweh. And so, but before we deal with the, the truths here, I want you to consider the ordered structure here. So see if you can follow along here. First stanza, you're instructed to shout. You're instructed to serve. And he ends with entering. And then the second stanza begins with entering and then goes to thanksgiving and then back up to praise. There seems to be an emphasis the psalmist has here on entering into the presence. How we gather together for worship. So let's begin there. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. That line is, is loaded with temple imagery. The gates to the temple, the courts of the temple. And that meant a great deal to the original audience, but it also should mean a great deal to us. We're not limited to worship in a particular geographical location. Why? Because we are the temple. The Spirit resides not in a, in a room on top of a, a, a box that has some angels on top of it. It's overlaid with gold. I'm talking about the Ark of the Covenant. That's not where God resides anymore. He resides in us. We're the temple. So that means we can enter into worship in our car. We can enter into worship in a hospital where we're watching a loved one die or where we're gathered as a family because a loved one has died. We can enter into worship. I think this is such an incredible thing. In our own mind, God has given us the, the ability to, in a, in a quiet moment, without even saying words, to worship him in the stillness of that time. He knows our thoughts. He knows what we're thinking. And, and also, we can enter into worship here in this auditorium together. A sanctuary that brings us together. And let, let me note that, that there's something special and there's something significant about gathering together for worship. We, we see this from the Old Testament. They would, they would come together for worship and we see this in the early church that they would come together for worship. This is the pattern that we see. We see this as we get a view into the future in Revelation chapters 4 and 5 that what's happening? We're coming together for worship. Something special about being alongside each other. It's what we do every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. as a church. We come together for the purpose of worship. That's why Hebrews encourages us, don't forsake this. Don't neglect assembling together. 
Make, make sure it's a part of your life. The, the entering, the worshiping, the serving, the, the shouting, the singing, the praising that, that happens here on any given Sunday, it cannot be replicated on a video or through a podcast. I love that we have those technologies accessible to us, that we can offer that, but it's not something that can be replicated. It's not something that can be reproduced. What happens in your heart today cannot be reproduced. These opportunities that are put in front of us week after week. And so we enter first, he says, in this way. We enter with thanksgiving, meaning that when we come together with others, we're making public acknowledgments about the Lord. We are thankful for what He has done. I just have to pause and confess. That's not often in my mind on a Sunday morning. How can I show thankfulness as I come together with you? How can you show thankfulness? We can do that in our conversations with each other, can't we? Instead of talking about really weird, random stuff, we could get pretty specific and say, I'm thankful for what God did this week in my kid's life or in my family. I'm thankful for this verse that I read that came at just the right time. Enter his presence with thanksgiving. Next we enter, he says, with praise. Means that we provide for others. This is that definition that we've given. A glowing report about the Lord and his works. The psalmist even goes on here and says, bless his name. And if you remember that, we were looking at Psalm 134 earlier in the summer where it was this idea, bless the Lord. It means to enhance him in the minds of others. So that others leave going, wow, I didn't, I didn't understand that aspect of who God was. But now, now I do. My mind has been enhanced. There's been a glowing report. But what does it mean when he says, bless his name? Simply put, his name is who he is. That's why God gives himself the name Yahweh. Our God is good. That's a part of his name. Our God is holy. That's a part of his name. He's just, he's gracious, he's kind. He's infinite. We could go on and on. Blessing his name. But once again, the psalmist provides us with some reasons to enter with thanksgiving, praise, and blessing. It says this, for the Lord is good. And his steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. How good is the Lord? How would you answer that? I love that verse. Another psalm. Oh, just taste. Taste and see how good he is. You can experience his goodness. One author, Tate, oh, he said this so well. God is the source of all that makes life enjoyable and worthwhile. 
there's this goodness. Did you enjoy that meal yesterday? God's the source. Everything worthwhile comes from him. But not only is he good, but it also goes on to say he's faithful and here we once again get to interact with our favorite Hebrew word. He's chesed. His love is loyal. He is bound to keep the covenant that he has made with his people. He cannot break it. He will not break it. This means that all the promises that he's made from cover to cover, he will not fail or falter in one of them. And I would challenge you to just simply consider your life from cover to cover. Has he ever broken promises to you? Hmm. Not in mine. He's been faithful. Paul wrote it this way, one of my favorite lines. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. That says it all, doesn't it? He who started this thing will finish it. He's not like us. He doesn't start a project and then neglect it for a while and then forget it completely. No, the work that he started in you in conforming you into the image of Jesus, he will bring it to completion because he is faithful. He's faithful to keep his promises. And friends, we're not limited to know the faithfulness of Yahweh from the stories of Exodus, Numbers, the conquest into the land, all those cool stories that you find in Samuel and Kings of how he intervened on behalf of Israel. That's enough, isn't it? And it was enough for the original readers of this psalmist to, to look back in the history of Israel and say, he is faithful. He did bring us out of Egypt. He did protect us, brought us into the promised land. He did those things for us. And that is enough, but we're not limited to that, are we? Because we know the faithfulness of God through the birth, through the life, through the death, through the burial, through the resurrection, through the ascension and the intercession of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Proving once and for all if we need it that he is covenantly faithful and proving in the in the same scenario that i just laid out that is the life of christ his goodness improving in that same scenario his justice his holiness everything about him and the life of jesus it shines a light on the attributes and the character of our god all which we should praise him for some of you have had a rough month, two months, year, decade, life. I don't know how you would define it, but I know it's been difficult for many of you. COVID's hit several households just over the last month. Josh is resurrected in here. <laughs> Poor guy goes to camp, tries to do the spiritual thing. And then him and Jess, they contract it there. But we know that whatever we face, what we faced, what we're facing, what we will face in the future, the good, the bad, the ugly, in all of it, His good plan will be accomplished. Friends, hold on to that. 
hold on to the truth that we have a, a God who is sovereign, He is faithful, and He is good. All three of those matter very much. And because of that, the psalmist says, be thankful. Offer Him praise. So when we flip on the TV and we see the devastation that's happening outside of the airport in Kabul, or we see screenshots of what's taking place in Haiti and people holding their loved ones, we can still give praise to our God because He is good and faithful. And somehow, the darkness that we see on the TV, the darkness and pain that swirls around our own lives, we know that He's working it together for our good. Man, that's a God worth praising. That's a God worth shouting to. That's a God worth singing about. That's a God worth thanking. And so today I, I call upon you to praise the Lord. It's an invitation to praise, an invitation to thanksgiving. But, but let me start here. Do you know him? Do you know him? You know the one we're, we're talking about. Do you know that, that he is your creator? Do you know that he is the God that, that you rebelled against, you have sinned against, but do you know that he is the God who sent his son Jesus to restore the rebellious, to deal with the sin, to offer us new life and hope and joy and peace and eternity with him, to reconcile what our sin has broken? Do you know Jesus? Have you acknowledged him as your savior? And if you're here today and you say, I, I don't know if I've done that, or no, I haven't done that, or I've been wondering if that is what I did, maybe we want to help you think through those questions. We want to take you to God's word. We want to open it up. We want to show you clearly who your God is. We want to show you clearly who Jesus is and what he's accomplished for you. And so we want to invite you to ask those questions. We don't want you to leave here today without having those questions answered. And so in just a moment, we're going to give everybody an opportunity to just be responsive in prayer. And if those are the questions you need answered, I want to invite you, come to this room over here. It says prayer room on it. I was telling John earlier I was sitting out here a couple weeks ago listening to Dustin preach, and I, I glance over them like, oh yeah, we have a prayer room. <laughs> I don't really notice it from this vantage point. But we want to utilize that. We want you to utilize that. When you need to talk through some things with people, we want you to go in that room during the response. We want you to get your questions answered. And so in a moment, if you have those questions about your relationship with God, who Jesus is, we want you to go in there. Somebody will take you through God's word and answer your questions. It may not be that. You may be here, you know him. You confess him to be God, the almighty one, the creator. He's your shepherd. You've tasted the goodness of God. You've experienced his faithful love. Then, it, then it's time to shout, to serve, to sing. It's time to get excited about this maybe again in your life. It's good to get excited. It's, it's good for us to show emotion when we think about God and all that he's done for us. 
So often we, we lack energy. Sometimes that's of our own doing. Sometimes it's just a struggle with where we're at in life. But we, we come here sometimes more excited about where we're going to go eat after than the Lord we're coming here to worship and serve. And therein is the rub. And therein is the problem sometimes. We've got to get excited about Christ. We've got to get excited about what He's done. It's, it's good to raise your hands in praise. It's, it's good to worship the Lord by serving Him. We've got people worshiping the Lord right now, changing nasty diapers in the nursery. You know that's happening. They're serving the Lord by what they're doing. Some of them cleaned up bathrooms this week to prepare this place. They, they mow yards. They've, they've prayed this week in preparation. They've served by praying that God would work in your life and in our lives as we would gather together. They've greeted you on your way in. They've, they've put slides and bulletins together. We serve the Lord in so many ways, and we've got to understand those are acts of worship. Those are ways in which we worship our God. Thank you for doing that, by the way. Thank you for those acts of service because we benefit right here because of it. It's good to sing. And, and by, by sing, I just want to challenge you. I mean, really sing. I mean, sing with joy. Recognize, oh my goodness. This is who we're singing about. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth... Hear his voice. But also singing with understanding. I think that's probably the, the more key component. If I sing with understanding, and I'm really thinking about what I'm singing in this moment, the joy will come. I'm singing about God. I'm singing about what he's done for me. And joy naturally comes when we think about him. I assure you that... Um, those of you who, who choose to be very reserved or maybe you're one of the, the mumble singers where you just kind of, I'm singing. You can see my mouth. You will not be so reserved in Revelation 5. As we gather around the throne, you might as well get started practicing now with emotion and excitement because it's going to be a real party when we gather together with all the saints of all time. It's also good for us to publicly thank the Lord. I want us to do better at this as a church. You know, we have a Thanksgiving service every year. But I want you to, to be comfortable to say, hey, God did some really cool stuff in my life this week. Would it be okay if I share that with the church? We need to be free to do that. We need to operate in such ways so that we can enter into his presence with singing and share these opportunities to praise. It's good to offer words of praise and blessings to the Lord as well. You don't have to do that up here. You don't have to be, I know some of you have a, a great fear of standing where I'm standing right now. You can do that as you come in and have conversations with people. You know what a blessing that is? If you were to come in and say, some pretty crazy weather we had this week, I'd say, sure was. It's hot. And that'd be okay. But if you were to come in and say, let me tell you what God did in my life this week. I've been praying for this thing for three weeks. And here's how God worked and answered that prayer. That'll bless me a lot more and him a lot more than talking about the crazy weather 
You can still talk about weather. I'm fine with that. But let's recognize the importance of praise.